welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the Franked Investment Income Group litigation, and the citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 47. The subject of this case is limitation periods, where the law is relatively broad and ill-defined. Here the Supreme Court had an opportunity to clarify the situation further, so let's see how they got on. The test claimants in these proceedings are companies that are partially based in the UK, but also have a presence abroad. Essentially, their argument is that they are being treated differently for tax purposes compared to the companies that are wholly based in the UK, and this is a breach of the EU principles of freedom of establishment and free movement of capital. If they are successful, then it means that they could be entitled to the repayment of tax from HMRC, that dates back as far as when the UK first joined the EU back in 1973. The question around limitation periods comes in because these types of claim have to be brought within six years from when the money was paid. However, there is an important exception to this rule that can be found in section 321c of the Limitation Act 1980, which states that in an action for relief that arises from the consequences of a mistake, the limitation period only begins to run from when the claimant, quote, has discovered the mistake, or could with reasonable diligence have discovered it, end quote. This concept of a mistake is really key here because the test claimants argue that they are seeking to recover money that was paid under a mistake of law. To discover a mistake of law in line with section 321c, They argue that there would have to be a final judicial decision from which there is no right to appeal. In this case that would be 2006, when the Court of Justice of the European Union held that the relevant provisions in UK tax legislation were incompatible with EU law. On the other hand, HMRC argued that the date should be much earlier than that, because as far back as 2001, the Court of Justice held that other aspects of the tax regime were in conflict with EU rules, and so the claimants could have reasonably discovered the mistake at that earlier date. That distinction between the dates is fundamental because the claims were actually brought in 2003. By the claimant's timeline, that would be within the limitation period, but by HMRC's calculation, it would be too late. The Court of Appeal found in favour of the claimants, and so HMRC appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. One of the first issues that came up returned us to the idea of mistakes of law, in contrast to mistakes of fact that we mentioned earlier. When the Limitation Act was originally enacted, Section 321c was intended for mistakes of fact, and was only expanded to include mistakes of law following the 1999 case of Kleinwart Benson Limited and Lincoln City Council. In this judgment, the Supreme Court upheld that decision on the basis that the wording in the legislation does not preclude such an interpretation, and indeed it fits with the ordinary meaning of the words that are used. Furthermore, if the exception within section 321c was not expanded to also include mistakes of law, then it would frustrate the purpose of the statute because it would make it almost impossible for a great number of claimants to comply with such a strict time limit. As a reminder, that exception allows for a claim to be brought within six years of a mistake being discovered, or the point at which a mistake could have been discovered with reasonable diligence. 
This itself raises an interesting question about when exactly a mistake of law is said to be discovered. In Deutsche Morgan Grenfell Group PLC and Inland Revenue Commissions from 2006, the discovery of a mistake was linked to the final decision of a court from which there was no ability to appeal. That is why, in the argument stage, we saw the parties consistently referring to case law from the Court of Justice of the European Union. However, the Supreme Court fundamentally disagreed with the approach in Deutsche Morgan Grenfell, because a claim can be brought when an issue is still up for dispute, and so it should not always be necessary for a final decision to be rendered before the clock starts on the limitation period. The majority therefore decided to depart from Deutsche Morgan Grenfell, and establish a new test for the discovery of a mistake. They held that the time will only begin to run once the claimant has discovered, or with due diligence could reasonably discover, that a worthwhile claim has arisen. Such an approach brings section 321c in line with the rest of the Limitation Act. The obvious follow-up question to this is how the new test should be applied to the current proceedings. Unfortunately, this question of fact may also require the parties to the case to alter their own arguments, and so the proceedings were passed back down to the High Court, who will hear those arguments and be able to make a judgement. Before we move on to our own analysis, it is important to acknowledge that this was a slim majority decision of 4-3. to three. This particular dissent merits further attention because it drives at the very heart of the decision, by arguing that the exception in section 321c should not be available in cases where there is a mistake of law. If you remember, that viewpoint does accord with the original intention of the Limitation Act 1980, and so the minority are also arguing that the previous House of Lords decision in Kleinwalt-Benson was incorrectly decided. They note that the reason for adopting this position is clear from this case, where there are a vast number of old claims, with some dating back to the 1970s. Opening up the law to these claims creates a huge amount of litigation, and therefore uncertainty in the law. Overall, I think I am much more inclined to agree with the minority in this situation, for the reasons that they outline. Since the decision in Kleinwalt-Benson, the courts have allowed themselves to take a small exception in the law that was intended for equitable relief in certain situations, and blow it up to create a highway for a wide variety of claims to pass through. This is problematic for a number of reasons, but most importantly it creates a great deal of uncertainty in the law. That is then further compounded by the need for the courts to devise a point at which the mistake in law is discoverable, and the clock starts running on claims. Deutsche Morgan Grenfell tried to tie this down in a concrete fashion to actual case law, but as the majority pointed out, a prospective legal challenge could exist well before that date. The new test asks the court to instead work out when a worthwhile claim could be brought, and while that is more satisfactory, it does place the judges in an awkward position by making them retrospectively decide on the value of litigation. Precisely nailing that down seems to be next to impossible, because while it can look at things such as when an important judgement was handed down, it may also take into account a wide range of factors, including the legal commentary that you are listening to on this podcast, which implicitly talks about the prospect of future litigation. Of course, the problems with the test stem from the core issues with the interpretation of section 321c. 
The Supreme Court has tied itself in knots trying to get this to work and has failed. The consequences of this will not only be felt in the continuation of this long, drawn-out litigation, but also in many cases moving forward as well. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. I do want to say before I go that the reason that this podcast can keep going, and the reason that it remains ad-free, is thanks to the kindness of the people who sign up for the paid version of my email newsletter. I'm sure many of you will already be signed up to the free version and have got your free ebook on how to answer problem questions, but for £5 a month or for £50 a year, it's possible that you can sign up for the paid version and those people get an extra newsletter per week and also access to my other ebook on how to answer essay questions. If that's something that you would be interested in, then do check out the link in the podcast description and thank you very much in advance for your support. I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye.